I'm on the edge of my bar stool. <laughs> it's that we're going to have a really shitty first quarter because we're going to have huge comps and then it's going to even out and then we're going to find the new normal. It's as easy as that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the on-premise is already, it's only like, and beer boards, mm -hmm. but they just put out their latest and uh, we're only 14% down versus 2019 in the on-premise for like, you know, November 4th through 7th weekend. So that's yeah. going to catch up pretty quick. Unless it goes, it reverses and sure. you know, if, uh, if we get a wave or, if, you know, just, to, just cold weather drives people back indoors. Yeah. But I think people are, are used to that cycle by now. Right. right. Like well, it has been going on for thousands of years. <laughs> you would think Jeez. people would know that winter is coming. Um, I, I can't deal with winter. I can't deal with any, like I'm, I'm up to here. I know I can tell your burnout. We're going to have to, we're going to have to weasel in a vacation for you, Jen, before the, well, we do take the last two weeks of the year off. So I we, guess that's an automatic vacation not it's not really two weeks it's like more like a week also i'm gonna have my kids stay with you so that i can actually take off that would be great biscuit <laughs> and i will take care as you can see biscuit is an an avid caretaker very alert um <laughs> well bella will just stand there and pull his ears so yeah biscuit can take care of bella and you can take care of billy you guys He's can just take care of me yeah <laughs> Dave Williams, are you going to take care of me when all this shit's hitting the fan? No. You You're going to be up there in uh, uh, in Connecticut, wherever you are, being fancy. It might take me some time to get there, but I'll I'll help out if I can. You're the only one that cares. I swear. Oh. Is he, even this dog doesn't care, David. Look look at this dog. Do you oh, think she's our data analyst? She's the one that looks over all the IRI shit, uh, the Nielsen shit that y'all send over. That's who we send it to. Right well, that's here. why she's so tired out. Well, exactly. <laughs> you know, she she actually she looks like No Wiki back in his day. <laughs> after so our spreadsheet mean. run. <laughs> that is mean. I'll cut that in post. No, you won't. Yeah, well. No, how is Jeff? He, he I, haven't, just, I haven't heard from Jeff in a while. Uh, he texted me the other week when um Penn State got the crap kicked out of him, expressing his condolences. So uh <laughs> he's never so, one to hold back a punch <laughs> no he and i have a standing bet on uh indiana and penn state every year so up until recently okay. i was doing well in that exchange lately it's not hasn't been great yeah well we're talking about jeff nowicki who is a is retired but he worked for the bump williams company for many years and before that new belgium before that you know he's gambrinus guy's a good beer man he's been around and uh Speaking of good beer men, um, we've got uh, David Williams here on the line from Bump Williams Consulting. And uh, of course, we have Jen Litzkirk, our uh, senior executive editor. Uh, I don't I make up a different title for every time we start the podcast. I, I think that's your correct title, actually, right? It's executive editor, but I'm about to change it to uh, director of strategy and content how about director <laughs> of content there's a new one that's easier to remember hey jen let yeah. me quote uh, the famous rapper ti when i say you can have whatever you like you, right biscuit stacks on deck patrol Perfect. on ice you so good so all right david um reason that we thank you for first of all for joining beer net radio Absolutely. i don't know if you thank know you me, having me um, on. My name's Harry Shoemaker. I'm the publisher of Beer Business Daily. We've been on a fishing trip together, but you never were in my boat. 
because you requested, I think, to be with actual real fishermen. And I never <laughs> got to be, I never got to fish with you. But um, uh, also joining us from Bump Williams Consulting is the always five minutes late BK Kruger. Who, <laughs> that is he, not even close to true. He swings in three minutes late, cool no. as a cucumber, looking spry and fly. Man, I'm I just on, shitting you. I clicked on the Google link instead of the Zoom portion of it because dude, the big button, sucker's choice. And <laughs> well, BK, if, if you've watched this podcast, you know that the first at least seven minutes are devoted to technical difficulties every <laughs> single episode. And we this is episode 60, I believe, right, Jen? I, I yeah, mean, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. We've done yeah. 60 of these damn things over the last, I don't know, six or seven months. And um, so far, Nobody cares. <laughs> so I've, been listening, Harry. I've been listening. Yeah, your dog doesn't look like he cares. Well, I mean, if I can't even get my co-host to, to stay awake during the, I mean, come on. Not, she is she is 11 years old, which in dog years, the same age as me right now. So <laughs> She's heard it all before. Fuck yeah, she has. So have I. So any bullshit you try and run down me, I'm not going to. So anyway, I'm, thank you guys for being on. Um, I wanted to kind of, uh, I want to talk about a lot of things, but I wanted to focus on single serve because it seems to me, and so let me tell you what I think, and then you tell me where I'm wrong and, 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 and expand. Okay. Does that sound fun? Why not? It sounds good. Okay. Single serve post pandemic has to be viewed as a combination of, of, you know, replacing trial on premise and replacing bombers off premise basically i mean remember when bombers were the rage and, and now you can't find one and then in between it's just a, a 16 ounce wasn't enough and a 24 ounce it's just too much you know what i'm saying in other words i'm saying that this industry has finally hit upon a package for a single serve occasion when i say single serve meaning you're going to drink the whole thing is a 19 2 and this can and in a can. And I, I think if we're going to have to declare the package of the year, 192 is the package of the year. And it might be the package of uh, the early 2020, because I think even though it's still smalls relative to the, you know, overall dollars or whatever, this thing's, this thing's going to grow. And we're going to see, mark me, we're going to see people putting four ringers around them. Hey, oh, call me. Oh, my God. <laughs> maybe two ringers and C stores. All right. So having, so tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me where I'm right. And, and even in grocery stores, they're selling this, these cans because it's replacing the bomber. Am I right? Or am I wrong? No, I think, I think you are right in the sense that if you look and we, we wrote the, the, our monthly newsletter topic on this because it's, it's kind of been the buzz lately, but single serve took it, took it on the chin last year in terms of share uh, because people were stocking up. So you lost the on-premise, you lost that will to kind of shop around and try new things. So people bought in bulk. However, um, that doesn't mean single stores were declining because if you look back, you know, 192s, their sales more than doubled last year. It's just that everything grew around it. And now that things are stabilizing and people are taking their time again, people are going back to see stores more regularly again. Um, 192s are right back on the, on the share gain path. And, um, 
know, a lot of innovation still coming in. Um, I think 19.2s, 20% of the SKUs to date are new um, versus those larger size, you know, 10 or 11% are new. So innovation in that space is ramping up too. Um, and yeah, and the weird thing too with 19.2s is, to your point, Harry, you're going to drink it in one sitting. That's what they're designed for. That's what, it's just ease of consumption. But the ABVs that are succeeding in that are all over the place too. You got the lower end, but you also ramp it up to the higher end, the double IPA. So they're kind of universal in that sense where um, lots of different segments and or styles of beer have found success in that format. And you stumbled into it also when you were talking about bombers. Now you can't find them. You can find them. They're all in people's basements. They were overpriced. They were super specialty. Um, but retailers, they're, they're oxidized. Yeah. They, they're, they're laying on their sides, leaking yeah, in somebody's dude. basement. I'm sure there's some excellent ones out there. I mean, there. there's probably one in the trunk of my car leaking <laughs> right now. But you also touched upon like that was a glass container. And when we're talking single serve and we're talking modern consumer, you have to be talking cans. And the other thing you mentioned, 19. You know, they, I mean, I know we've been over this, but thank you, Dale Katechis. I mean, what a pioneer when we think of Dale's. Am I saying that right? Why does everybody have a blank face on their Dale's Oscar Pale Blues. Ale. Oscar Blues. Yeah. Yes. Oscar <laughs> Blues. Like, uh, okay. I, I felt everybody was looking at me like, who's Dale? Um, We're just waiting for you to finish, Harry. Right down the road. I expect, Jen, you of all people know, I expect everybody to be mind readers around me. You can't just listen to what I say. But no, yes. I mean, Dale said it back then, and we all were like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we see it coming. We see it coming. But we don't, I don't think we saw it coming so wholesale like it is now that it's, um, I mean, it's almost ridiculous to put it in a bottle unless you're, you know, been doing it for years. It's, it's funny, Harry, because you're right. I remember the Dale's Pale Ale smokestack in stores, and that was one of, I think, five available 19.2-ounce SKUs you could get up until recently when they just exploded out of nowhere. Uh, but, yeah, there was right. – uh, I remember they called them uh, like, like stovetops stove or pipes. smokestacks. Stovepipes, stove, there it is, yeah. Stovepipes. Stovepipes, right. And it's crazy, too, because a lot of conversations at the same time revolve around skew rationalization. So trimming skews, trimming packages, focusing on, on what's moving. And so adding a whole nother new size in the mix sounds counterintuitive, but they move, they sell. So yeah. they deserve that spot right now. And, um, it's and you an know, easy other spot things, to, you know, singles are easy to add and remove. Well, yeah, exactly. They're, they're taking the space of, of um, you know, of what was once moving and now no longer. So 19.2 is the new show. And you're right. Like you said before, you, I see it in grocery a lot, too. I was in a store in upstate New York, and there were two or three cooler doors filled with uh, large format single serve uh, for craft um, in grocery. So they're trying to absorb some of those those grab and go occasions that could, their shoppers might have gone elsewhere for uh, in years past. I have yeah. noticed that the grocery stores I attend, is that the right word? Attend? <laughs> Shop grocery, at. I don't attend many grocery stores, but the ones I do attend, they ask me to leave very quickly, <laughs> uh, mainly because I have this dog and she's normally rolled in mud and dung. But no, um, they, no, but I, uh, I've noticed, you know, uh, the impulse buy at the end and that little cooler is all energy drinks. Yeah. And I'm waiting for the day when they're going to, you know, a Mountain Dew hard seltzer in there. I, it reminds me of the old, the movie, um, 
I don't know if you've seen this. This it's an old movie. Is you know probably before you were born, but it was called Fight Club. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm familiar. Okay, these guys just fight each other, but but mainly the the point of the movie is it's a single serve life, and that everything's single serve, and society's driving us toward living in single serve. And that movie's, you know, 20 years old and it's prescient. And we are getting to a single, and when I say single serve, I mean single occasion life. And and the brewers and the marketers of the world have caught up to that, right? To where we're not really marketing brands anymore. We're marketing occasions. Have y'all, I mean, have y'all been following this? It's, it, it's a, it's a, it seems like in the last few years, we've seen this change from this brand means this to this brand fits into this occasion whether that occasion being halloween let's get fucked up or i'm gonna run a half marathon tomorrow and this is what i'm gonna drink afterwards you hear what i'm saying do y'all see this no I, I, absolutely yeah. you're talking this brand fits this occasion and people are making brands to fit an occasion they're not waiting con for consumers to find them they're going after those occasions where the certain amount of consumer base is and designing a product from the liquid, from the pack size, from the pack type, from the branding, from the imagery, from the attributes to target that specific consumer. So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. People are getting really sophisticated with it and the life cycle may be a little bit shorter but it also allows you a little bit more flexibility because you're not as committed to trying to reach everyone with it. You have a very targeted, if that doesn't work or the target moves on, you switch paths, you go to something else, you accelerate the life cycle and you always have something going on. There's another demographic group or occasion group that you can target or retail occasion to target. And in doing that, you're also speaking the language of the retailer where they've known this for quite a while with their loyalty shopper cards. They've known exactly who it is and who's buying what. Now you get a brewery that makes that connection and says, hey, I know your consumer. Here's what they are. Here's what else is in the basket. Here's what I think that it's going to do. Here's what the lift is going to be on display. And you're right in sync. And that's something that has come about this single serve or occasion-based marketing and product development. Yeah, I think it fits with how we shop in general. I mean, think about you don't shop for like a long term anymore. Even when buying groceries, you go on your phone, you'll get Instacart or, or Uber Eats for one meal or for a couple of days. The same thing applies with, you know, your beverage alcohol occasionally. It's either it's an impulse grab at the end or you know you're going somewhere that moment. It's, you know, COVID uh, 2020 aside, it's less about stocking up and it's more about what you want right now in this moment, uh, depending on what you're going to do. So I think it aligns with a lot of just evolving shopping behaviors even outside beer figure out mute harry <laughs> no i think that was my cue to maybe pick it up <laughs> <laughs> so anyway hey guys i have a couple of questions based on you know what we were just talking about and also the note that you guys put out about this um so first of all i'm just curious do you think retailers are much more sensitive about the velocity of single serves versus other pack sizes right now probably uh mm -hmm. i think retailers have become very sensitive to what's moving and what's not quick to quick to trim, quick to react. So they see the trends, they know where consumers are moving and BK brought it up. They know their, they know what their shoppers are, are looking for and their loyalty card data as well. So I think they know that it's a hot package and, um, and they're jumping on it now. So very aware of um, the potential plus just that incremental purchase factor that it brings with it too is, is, you know, an added bonus. 
uh, on top of everything else. And and I think what Jen means when, when you know she's talking about velocity, profit per per square inch of space. In other words, a twelve pack has a lot more profit than a uh, than a single serve does. So are they trading people down from a six? They might have bought a six pack to buy in a nineteen two. I um I agree with you in that in the sense that you're always looking at the value for that real estate on the shelf. Uh, but I do think that they view these single serve additions to their shelf sets as an added purchase on top of consumers that would have gone there for a six pack or a 12 pack anyway. This is the grab in addition to or on top of what would already have been bought because a lot of those six or 12 pack brands still aren't in single. So it's not a swap per se, although that is always a concern of, of trading down and seeing that dip in basket ring. Um, but I think right now, at least it's, it's been netting incremental. And some of the savvier retailers are also looking at it as, Hey, I know I have to stock a certain amount of six packs and 12 packs. If I can get some brand loyalty in this 19.2 format, and then in addition, get the same brand in a six pack or a 12 pack purchase at a later point, then they've maximized their store. That's, that's interesting because one of my questions was, and you guys are kind of saying, they're not an interchangeable format, but as Seltzer in particular starts to slow and we hopefully start to see a contraction of brands, do you think some of the retailers are going to take some of those six and 12 pack Seltzer brands out that aren't as high share, but maybe they'll say, okay, let me allocate these to the larger single serves where I can. Is that a strategy you guys are seeing or no? I think swapping the, the declining or slower moving skews, or at least being quicker to recognize which ones are eligible to be replaced with, with minimal negative loss, if at all. I think six packs for seltzers never really seem to catch on. So mm-hmm. those SKUs you're going to see continue to, to, to filter out. And right now, 12 packs are still crushing it. I don't know how many 12 pack SKUs are going to get removed, especially of those larger brands. Um, you might see some of the more, you know, smaller ones that just aren't cycling start to fade away as things are rationalized. Um, but um, yeah, I think a lot of these the single ads are, are, are just up and coming and you're going to see them take spots of not just within, you know, within uh, existing seltzer, but shelf spaces in general are going are gonna to be expanded to make room for singles and other segment styles are going to feel the, uh, the squeeze because of it. Interesting. Okay. Also on that note, um, are you guys seeing in the data that those higher ABV seltzer single serves are doing well? Because we've seen a lot of companies bring those to market and I really haven't seen the data pull through yet as to whether those are pulling. Um, so we did see, you know, the white cloth surge uh, skews, one of them pop up and the other one just missed our threshold in terms of what's new. Uh, right. we, we had a strict zero year ago sales um, on there, but you know, those are some of the top selling um, new single serve SKUs in the seltzer space. So they are, they are starting to register a little bit, starting to pull through. I think in terms of higher ABV, we're seeing more of an impact in singles with craft right now than we are with seltzer um, or, you know, even imports per se. I think you're seeing higher ABVs with FMBs and singles. You're seeing it with craft in a little bit with seltzer right now, but those are still pretty small in the grand scheme of things. Still have a lot a lot of runway, I guess, um, in terms of potential. Yeah. As we're talking about occasion-based and consumers, there is that consumer that's not currently being captured by seltzer 
or by craft that that's that harder FMB, call it an RTD kind of transitory consumer that's in there. That's another occasion. That's another profitable occasion for retailers, especially at the C store level and increasingly so at the grocery level, grocery level as well. Like your twisted yeah, tea, yeah. right? Mount uh, hard Mountain Dew. That's it's gonna fit right. <laughs> it's gonna slide right nicely right into that spot. That occasion. It's not a health occasion, by the way. No, it's that's not definitely health not well, a health occasion. Not a health and well, it is a lifestyle. This is not a not a healthy lifestyle. But it could Which, be the same you know, consumer, but a separate occasion. Exactly. As well. Exactly. Harry, I, mean, I love how you're saying exactly when we literally had this conversation two or three months ago. And I said, I just said what BK said. And you were like, absolutely not. <laughs> no, I, I totally reserve the right to change my mind. That's a sign of an advanced brain, first of all. <laughs> they find and it. Se- second of all, it's a sign it of earlier. humility. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know who else didn't change his mind? Caesar and uh, Napoleon. And look where they ended up. Yeah, exactly. Killed by their countrymen. So <laughs> let me just tell you, I can change my mind. But what, what I meant it by that is that, um, yes, you can live both lifestyles, but they are two different. Most people kind of filter into one or the other. I have my Mountain Dew self and I have my Michelob Ultra self and kombucha self. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's why you see certain FNB brands or even the segment overall continue to grow. Well, amidst the seltzer boom, you know, they had, they were dedicated FMB consumers that even though the flavors were there, some of the attributes were there, they, they didn't cross over or substitute enough to uh, impact the FMBs overall. So I think two separate occasions, possibly two separate consumers with some overlapping between. Well, I mean, Dave, you and BK have said, it's like 70% drink seltzer, 70 drink can cocktail, 70 drink craft beer. <laughs> It's 70, 70, 70, 70. It all adds up to 100% somehow, meaning there's overlap and, and there's so much crossover. And, and you know, it's like we, we try and pigeonhole consumers, but we all are that way as well, right? Anybody who drinks, drinks across all occasions and formats. And so I guess um, my question is, you know, Jen kind of touched on it because we went through this period where you know all day ipa is all about lower alcohol and easier drinking and that filtered into seltzers but now i feel like we're getting into more hey we want more flavor and we want more alcohol not just in seltzers in craft beer as well not seeing in imports that's a different animal you know we see have we not seen this wave before we go high alcohol high flavor Low alcohol, no flavor, high alcohol, high flavor, no alcohol. It's been going on for a hundred thousand years. And so it seems like we're now going for fruit flavored, but maybe a lighter base, like a, like a wheat beer or sour, but fruit forward. So that's what seltzer brought us. Hey, we want yeah. fruit forward, but we want more alcohol. Now <laughs> the consumer is, is being led by a ring on their nose. And, and are we leading them into spirits or are we leading them into sour beers? That's my question. I mean, right now, if I look within craft, sours are up. If I look at spirits relative to beer, spirits are up. So, I mean, it's both. Yeah. So, um, and it's funny too, Harry. You know, if you, I looked at some of the top growth styles within craft this year. Among the top ones are either non elk, which a lot of it is new and a lot of it is, um, you know, year over year cycling for athletic, and then imperial IPAs right there with it. So, it's high, no. Uh, two of the extremes. And then obviously you have 
a wealth of ABVs in between that. But I think, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about the occasion. What do you want? Do you want a non-alc for this? Do you want to ramp it up with a double IPA for that? Or if you're out and about uh, a lighter, you know, flavor centric wheat, I, I think we're, we're seeing a lot of different things grow uh, with a common thread of characteristics and attributes, you know, kind of weaving it all together in between. And, just, and, through, and through all of this, what stays constant, which is anathema to me, is the East Coast IPA. Just rock solid, keeps going. A trend that I predicted 10 years ago was going to burn out. No, you're, you're not wrong. And even the brands that have started to slow, there's more coming in to offset those, those losses. Um, and a lot of those you know, old school New England based breweries that were doing this type of style for a long time. Now they're getting into chains. So people know those and they're going after those brands or, you know, the newer pop-ups are, are, are getting a fair shot at retail because hazy, uh, it, it continues to sell. There's, um, you know, there's no denying that, uh, at least from the off-premise and you see it in the on-premise when, when, and if you're allowed to go. I was just going to say, if you look at the growth in IPAs, traditional, whatever you want to call traditional IPAs are struggling. I mean, the growth in the category that everybody lumps together is IPA is absolutely all about hazy and absolutely all about imperial. And a lot of that imperial is in the topic that we're speaking about now as far as single serve. And the thing that we haven't touched upon is the price point accessibility for that imperial IPA at an eight or an 8.5 or a 9% at 249 for 19.2 or two for $5 makes that a pretty easy bang for your buck decision for, for that consumer. That's Holy out there. shit. It's like going back to the old malt liquors, you yeah. know, the twofers. I mean, we're nothing changes. Yeah. Twofers is an innovative strategy now <laughs> at a higher ABV than it you know was what? before, but well, truly has that. That's like, it's go for two, right? They have that, uh, that ad for big truly is at C store. So yeah. Listen, Dua Lipa cannot do anything wrong in my book. So if anybody's going to talk trash about Dua on this podcast, hang up right now. <laughs> hang up. Uh, okay. Not going to hear it. Not going to do it. All right, Biscuit. Well, how about since we're already at the 30 minute mark, I know Harry, you also wanted to talk about the rise of spirits-based seltzers, where they thrive, where they don't cash me outside. I mean, obviously hard seltzer is roughly a 10 share of beer right now growing you know, double digits, five share of total bevalk spirits, RTDs are like three share of spirits up triple and growing, digit. And growing so fast. I, I mean, thank you. High noon, I guess. I mean, Gallo knows how to execute. And I think that's the story there. I mean, they're, they're coming, they're, they're coming at a huge disadvantage, right? A huge yeah. price price disadvantage, which Gallo and others have turned into an advantage. Hey, consumer, this is better, you know? We can't really explain why, but it is just trust, you know, and I thought the consumer wouldn't care about the base, but I mean, I, maybe they do. Can it ever get, you know, nearly as big as seltzer? I think just because right now of the legal restrictions on where it can be sold, I think getting as big as seltzer is a, is a tough, tough feat to achieve as it stands today. I know, you know, a lot of people and, and powerful people are trying to make moves to get those, those rules, those laws changed. But until that happens, I think it's kind of handcuffed. Uh, that being said, it's amazing. High Noon continues to 
gain share of the RTV canned cocktail segment, even with all these other new brands, you know, flooding into the space. So High Noon's certainly leading the charge, but uh, a lot of these new players are immediately getting pretty solid share out of the gate. Crown Royal made a big splash. Uh, Cutwater's been doing very well. You know, you see Dogfish come in with a craft entry into the space. They're they're uh, they're getting share. They're getting focus. So um, it, it's almost it's almost like what we saw at the beginning of this seltzer craze not long ago. Um, if you're there's something to be said about being first and or early to market, and then it's obviously going to get tougher. But right now, yeah, it's uh, it's everyone's feeling the love right now. And it fits with that consumer as far as that in-hand occasion. You just expanded another occasion for that consumer that happens to be in hands where there's no mixing, no thinking at a favorable price point. It's on display. There's varying degrees of quality where you can go to small boutique producers of spirits-based RTDs that kind of have that cachet. You can go to the big names that everybody knows. So there's something in it for everyone. And you say it's quietly gaining share, it's doubling share. It's not just gaining share. It is off of a small base, but we're still talking hundreds of millions of dollars in growth on an annual basis that's spread across that consumer spectrum as far as what they're looking for. If they're looking for something small, boutique, local, they can find it. And that may be the only place that they find that particular brand. If they're looking for a brand that they can trust, absolutely they can find that as well. Right, and I wonder if there's... <laughs> Instacart's here, but I wonder if there's sneaky gains to be made because obviously there's channel restrictions, but in venues, in the on-premise, in, you know, the drizzlies as those grow share of channel, right? I mean, and that's probably a longer, a longer run, but those are sort of the, I think the maybe things that people aren't thinking about as much, but yeah. And to your point, BK, I think there's a lot more variety maybe in spirits, RTDs than there is in seltzer. Certainly to BK's point from a, a complexity standpoint, because it's not just the vodka with the fruit flavor attached to it. It's the tequila based beverages, the gin based, the long drink uh, movement that's going on, you know, whiskeys, um, rum, you know, rum is a, overall as a category hasn't been doing great lately, but rum based canned cocktails are still carving out growth to some degree. So different base, different recipes, different complexities than what you might get from a typical seltzer landscape. Um, seltzer has evolved a bit from a flavor standpoint, clearly, you know, with what uh, Boston Beer has been able to do with their truly flavors and, you know, the others, but uh, spirits allow for a lot more customization, I feel like, at least what I see. Um, so how about multi-packs? So I, I called out 19 twos as the, you know, the kind of the container of the, of the year. I think variety packs is the pack of the decade so far. Um, even though, you know, the share, it goes up and down, but I, I think we've decided now after this summer that consumers, they like variety packs in their seltzers in their craft beer in everything really uh, in yogurt and, and, and cereal and, you know, and what are you guys seeing? And is that going to be, is, are we going to see a difference in shelf space that's discernible, uh, both with singles and variety packs going into next year? Uh, so I, I was doing some work with some data in the Northeast recently, and I, I did see something pretty cool about the most incremental variety packs so far this year. They either skew, this is craft, sorry, being specific to craft. Um, they either skew toward IPA in terms of their mix you know, 
50% or more IPAs, or they're dedicated to one style such as IPAs, but there's been sour variety packs, stout variety packs, lagers, you know, uh, um, you know, themed variety packs around a certain thing. So they're getting, they're, they're definitely evolving beyond what we might picture in our head as a classic variety pack. Cause there's, um, cause there's even different ABVs within a variety pack. Yeah. Correct? Oh yeah. Oh, some of these brewers are physically making these variety packs, right? I mean, yeah. it's not like a machine. Most are. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Most of it is hand packed. It's added, added expense, but you have to offset that by, the hot variety pack, if you want to call it a segment or movement, whatever it is, you know that the retailer is dedicating more space to it so you can afford to do it. So, so even the, like the, the roving packers that have, you know, trucks that rove around mobile packaging, they don't, they can't do variety packs. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't know why I'm asking you this, like you or some master brewers, but, um, no, it, it comes down to logistics. And it, usually when you're packaging beer, it's one flavor, one brand, one variety at a time for a typical variety pack. You have to do that four times and then take the fifth step of bringing it back together. The sixth pack, the sixth step of putting it into a package and there's incremental labor costs that happen all the time. If that's you're gotta be about like a, a dollar case. Or that's a good estimate. <laughs> Without a doubt, it, it really depends on the size and the efficiency and the source of your labor. And then take into account if you have to pay for extra storage at some point because you physically aren't at a size that you can have four times the quantity in your warehouse at the same time. So you may have to store it off site, bring it back, or you may have to ship it to a third oh my party. Gosh. And you have to brew it go. kind of the same time too. You have to I keep mean, the quality assurance codes in mind because it's only as good as the least <laughs> farthest one God, out. I am so, so glad. It's a logistical nightmare. I'm so glad I'm writing about beer and not doing it. I mean, it just sounds like a nightmare. I mean, I, I did a podcast with a guy in New Braunfels called how to not start a damn brewery. And, and he was just telling me stories. It was just how awful it was. And, you know, it's just hard. It's just, people think it's glamorous. And, you know, when you're the owner of a brewery trying to put four, six packs into a you know variety pack at midnight on a Sunday, guess what? It's not so fun. Is it? Jackass. Yeah, and then when it hits the shelf, you already have people asking, "Well, what's coming after this?" So right. it's got to be, yeah. it's got to be frustrating. And, um, it, and it's almost out of date when it hits the shelf. <laughs> Many kidding. times. Yeah, I mean, it's a hard business, but some people get rich. I've heard. Not it's, biscuit um, or not biscuit or I. Jen does. Jen gets rich. Jen, I know you have questions. I'm hogging the mic. Sorry. No, I'm I'm out. We were at the 45 minute. Mark, so I think if, if oh, you're we, fresh out, I'm no, fresh we keep out. these fuckers for an hour and a half. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I cleared my day for you guys, so yeah, whatever yeah. you need. Oh. Dang, Dave, come on over. <laughs> yeah, should start doing these in person again. Seriously, uh, yeah. absolutely. I miss you those know, days. Gosh, BK, it's been a long time since we had a beer. It's probably the last time is when you came. You came to San Antonio, I think. Um, well, I don't know when it was like probably three or four years ago. We had a drink down at the uh, friendly spot. Remember Jen, that that old outdoor? Oh, yeah. It's still yep. there, but I love that spot. Um, it's a good spot. But yeah, I, that's great. I think I had a couple of beers with you at Hofbrau once, maybe around that same time. That's right. Yeah. It, it's been too long, without a doubt. BK and I go way back from New Belgium days, and uh, uh, Dave and I, of course, go way back from when we went fishing once and Kootenay days. They left me one of the days. 
they chose not to wake me up <laughs> because they were tired of me bitching on the boat. When you we said you wanted back, the day to yourself to go swimming in the in the river, so we, we let you uh, <laughs> we let you get after it. So glad you weren't there. The things I do to advance your career. Jen. Oh yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> you know, you know how many rounds of golf I've had to play. It's, it must be really hard being a, a white male kidding. these days. <laughs> Painful life you live. <laughs> I know. All right, guys. Well, I've kept you way too long, and uh, thanks. Thank you for drinking beer, and I uh, hope you have the rest of the, uh, the week is good. And I appreciate you being on here. No, yeah, thanks, right. for having us. thanks for having thanks, us. Thanks, guys. And and David, give give our listeners just a. We always say this. Give us a message of hope. Yeah, I mean, hope's hope's all about a mindset. You know, it stay is. stay optimistic, and then it'll help you remain hopeful. Just focus on what you can that's good, and hang on to that as long as you can. How about that? Man, I'm gonna write that down. Dave's writing the cards down. right now. Jeez, that is more than we are so adding so much value. I don't, I, I can't. <laughs> I don't know why the whole nation isn't listening to this podcast. <laughs> All right, guys. So one well, day. Yeah.